morning. So when our kids were little, we used to love to go geocaching. So some of you may know that what that is, but for those of you who do not, let me explain. Uh, geocaching, it's actually international, and um, it is basically a big treasure hunt. So you can find what they call caches, which are items that are hidden in some kind of camouflaged box, and uh, we always chose to do the geocaches that were located in the woods so that we could go out hiking and things like that. And, you know, you basically follow your GPS and you get to this area and you have to find the treasure. So it's hidden in an empty log or under a big rock or up in a tall tree and there's some crazy way you have to get it. And, and uh, it's lots of fun. And then once you find that treasure, it's a leave something, take something kind of philosophy. So my my kids would often take some of the Bible buddies that we got for VBS um, when they were little, and uh, and they would leave a Bible buddy and they'd get to take something. So it could be anything from a bouncy ball to a marble. Every once in a while, you'd get a quarter. Woohoo! That was like a big celebration, right? We found a whole quarter in, in one of the geocaches. So, um, but. What happened amongst the adults is that between my husband and I, it kind of became a battle of the GPS. So it, in the beginning. We only had the big clunky GPS, you know the one I mean, right, that had like sandbags attached to it to keep it on the dashboard of your car, you know, like that was, so we had that. And then a couple years later, we had one that was at least small enough to like fit in your hand. And so you could use that for the coordinates. And, and, uh, and that was my husband's favorite. And then pretty soon, they came up with an app. So you could just use your phone to kind of use the coordinates and find out where it is. Now, it really became a matter of which one of us could use the GPS that was going to get us to that treasure first. And so we were constantly in competition about which one was going to get us closest and which had the better GPS system. Um, typically, my husband won. Um, but that's fine, because really, ultimately, our goal was to get to that treasure. And we just wanted the best GPS we could find to get us to that treasure. As Christ followers, we want the same thing. When we accept Christ and say, yes, you are the Lord of my life, his destination becomes our destination. His way becomes our way. And this is why we have spent the fall talking about the way. And because we want to get to our destination the best way possible, we want to use the best GPS around. The Bible. And that is why we've spent the last few weeks here talking about the Bible. Because ultimately, it is the best guide we have to getting us to our final destination. But let's be honest, even here within this room, we have got a wide diversity of experiences with the Bible. For some of us, really the only interaction we've had is with what comes up on the screen on Sunday mornings. And that's fine. For others of us, it may be something that we have heard, it may be something that we believe, When I pick this up and look at it, it's kind of overwhelming. 
it reminds me of that first week of college every semester. You know, you go to your classes and each professor hands you a syllabus that's like this thick. And you're like, there is no way. I should just drop the class right now because there is no way I'm going to do the 75,000 things that are listed in, this, listed in this syllabus in one semester. And then you go to the next class and they give you an equally big syllabus and you think the exact same. I usually spent the first week of college in tears because I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do all this. But once you got into it and once you started with the classes, you realize, oh, you know what, it's not that bad. They're coming at an okay pace. I can manage this. But sometimes when we pick this up, we feel like it's that big syllabus. How am I possibly going to manage this? And then there's some of us here who have been interacting with Scripture for years. It's been a part of our life to the point where the preacher starts talking and we're like, ugh, the Good Samaritan again. Or maybe we found that our quiet times have gotten a little stale. We've hit a rut. No matter where we are in our experiences with the Bible, I want to encourage you that you can take a next step. Whether it's your first time or your thousandth time, you can take that next step. And I want to encourage you to do that because, and this is key, it's the foundation. The Bible is alive. It is alive and active, and it has the power to transform our lives. Randy talked about this last week, and we're going to look at it again. It's Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It is alive and active. Now, Scripture has been around for thousands of years, and that's saying something because, I mean, I don't know how many of you grew up in South Jersey, and maybe your parents listened to, you know, Oldies 98, 98.1, W-O-G-L. You know, it was all oldies, and it was songs from the 50s and 60s, you know, the Beach Boys, stuff like that, right? If you've turned it on recently, it's really depressing. Their oldies are what I grew up with. That's not an oldie. And in the English classes, what students are reading as classic literature right now is not what they were reading in the 1920s. And it certainly isn't what they were reading in the 1800s or beyond. Culturally, we don't hold on to things very long, even those things we consider iconic. So to look at the scripture and recognize that while it might not have been bound up in this particular shape, this scripture has been around for thousands of years. It has crossed borders. It is through languages. And it has stayed the same. Because it is the word of God. And it is alive and active and transforms lives. 
Nikki Gumbel, who was the founder of the um, Christian movement Alpha, uh, tells a story, which by the way, just a little aside here, Alpha is awesome. If you haven't done it yet, I really want to encourage you to. We just wrapped up, I believe it was our 11th or 12th, I've lost track, um, Alpha here at Hope and Voorhees. And I want to encourage you, we're going to be doing it over in Mount Laurel in the winter, springtime. So keep your eyes open for that. If you haven't done it, it's great. Anyway, back to Nikki. So one of the things that Nikki does in this is he introduces us to a man named Earl Smith. So Earl Smith was born and raised in London, and he was born into a very wealthy family, um, so much so that he really never had a need to work. So he went all the way through school, and when schooling was done, there really wasn't anything for him to do. And so he got bored and decided he would try drugs. And unfortunately, what happened is his life spiraled out of control. And before long, he found himself near death in a hospital. And after he had physically recovered from his, from his ailment, he stayed longer because his family insisted that he go through the recovery process. During that time period, somebody gave him a New Testament Bible. They were just handing it out to the patients. And so he got it. And when he got it, he was thrilled because he opened that book up and he said, these pages are so thin, I can roll my cigarettes with them. And so he rolled his way through Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Something happened when he hit John. He actually started to read the Bible. And before long, Earl met Jesus. And his life changed. The anger and the bitterness melted away. His desire for drugs became a desire for the Lord. And it was such a noticeable change that the psychiatrist who had been working for years with, well, for months with him, came in and said, you know, dude, I've got a great life. I love my job. I make good money. I've got a good house. But I don't have anywhere near the joy and peace that you have. What has changed? And so Earl introduced her to Jesus. And it wasn't long before they were married. And Earl actually met Nikki Gumbel because they were in seminary together. So he spent the rest of his life telling people the good news. All because somebody gave him a book. But it's not just a book. It is alive, and it is active, and it transforms us. But we kind of have to read it for that to happen. It's kind of like antibiotics. We know that they can make us better, right? The doctor prescribes them, we take them home. But if we just put them on the counter, we're still, we're not going to get better, right? We have to take it in. And it's similar with the Bible. John Wesley, who was the founder of Methodism, he said that um, there are a number of things that, that kind of form our faith. But the underlying one that everything is built upon is scripture. So now we have tradition, we have our own experiences, and we have our own ability to reason. And all of those are crucial in the formation of our faith. 
but none of them can contradict the scripture. That's what informs all of it. But sometimes our experiences have been negative. Sometimes our encounters with people who teach us have been hurtful. And so we've put it aside and kept going. But I want to encourage you, you can read the Bible. You can experience it in a new way. Let's look at Psalm 119 together. Now, Psalm 119 is actually the longest psalm in the Bible. Don't worry, we're only reading two verses. Um, it is written by King David, and the entire poem is all about the Bible. It is all about Holy Scripture and his love and how it is used. So we're just going to look at these, these two couple of verses here. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I love this image. How can we, how can we be in relationship? That's what he's saying. How can I keep pure? That's how can I be in relationship? How can I do, Lord, what you want me to do? How can I walk where you want me to walk? Go where you want me to go? And he answers his own question. By living according to your word. Now the idea of living according to God's word is not one that's just in the Old Testament. In fact, Jesus himself tells us, this is in the book of John, he who knows the things I tell him to do and does them really loves me. My father will love him and I also will love him and I will show him who I am. How many of you have teenagers? Would you please just do what I tell you? If you love me, you will pick the towel off the floor. It's like what God is saying. It's like, guys, if you love me, you will do what I have told you. And you know what he promises? I will show you who I am. When we seek him, he will show us who he is. So we've got lots of great reasons to read the Bible, right? We've, we've talked about them, the Old Testament, the New Testament, but we do get distracted. We do let our lives get in the way, at least if you're anything like me. I want it to be my top priority, but so often I can get through a week and be like, wow. Where did that fall on my list? Right? And then it's hard to pick it back up again. And some of us have come across things in the Bible we have trouble wrapping our heads around. Things that perplex us, that maybe are contrary to what we thought that's okay. We're in good company because throughout his time on earth, Jesus was continually perplexing people. 
challenging their thought process, encouraging them to step outside of what they expected or what they knew and to look at things differently. You thought that murder was a problem. I tell you, anger against your brother is a problem. You know adultery is bad. I'm telling you, don't lust. He was always stretching people's understanding of who he was. Now, I once heard someone say that reading the Bible is kind of like a crossword puzzle. You know, you pick up your crossword puzzle and you start going through the clues and you're able to fill it in and then you get to one that stumps you. Not quite sure about this one. So what do you do? Do you put the whole book down and walk away? Not usually. We skip it and move on. We start solving the other crosswords around it. And as we do that, we're suddenly filling in letters. And before too long, that missing perplexing clue suddenly makes sense. So I want to encourage you, if you've come up against something that has confounded you, Keep going. The more we read, the more we will understand. And sometimes we find ourselves frustrated because we come to the Bible with the answers already in our head. So we've already decided what it's going to tell us. And so we come to the Bible and we're like, okay, tell it to me. And it's not. And that's frustrating. It wasn't too long ago that um, we were heading down the shore over the summer, and we have finally agreed on a GPS, and we love Waze, so I don't know if you use Waze out there, but it's our favorite GPS. So I have it programmed in, and we're headed down the parkway, and it wants me to get off at some random exit. And I'm like, what? I, no, I've done this for how many years? We're, we're I know where I want to go. Thank you very much, Waze. You don't know what you're talking about. This way is faster, I promise. And about a mile after that exit goes by, dead stopped accident on the road. No one's going anywhere. We are just sitting in traffic. Waze knew more than I did. It had real-time data from drivers that were sitting in the red traffic. When we come to the Bible, God asks us to lay it all down, to surrender it all, to say, what do you have to say to me? What do you have to teach me today? And the reality is that this can be confusing sometimes and it can be hard, but the good news is we are never, ever, ever called to have to do it alone. You see, even back from the oldest time when the Bible was still on scrolls or letters written from one church to another, the reality was they were presented in public. They were read aloud. And then they would go back and discuss them in homes. And they would wrestle with what they had heard. And the Holy Spirit would use that time together to transform their understanding 
and their lives. So I want to encourage you, as you take whatever this next step looks like for you, you don't have to do it alone. We can open the scripture and know that there is a community here that wants to wrestle with it together. So where does this leave us? Some of us, our only interaction with scripture is on Sunday morning. You guys are in great company because that's exactly how it started in the early churches. I want to encourage you to take that next step, though. Can you find that small group? Or maybe it's a devotion. We have some great devotional resources. So online, there's something called Our Daily Bread. It still is and used to be a little pocket devotional type thing that lots of people use. Um, but it's online and it will email right into your inbox every day. And this has a little bit of scripture, a little bit of discussion around that scripture, and then a prayer. Great resource if you're looking for a way to take that next step. What is the next way I can engage with scripture? Okay. Great resource. Additionally, we have a weekly blog, and that blog every week goes out, and it is a reflection on whatever scripture or whatever the message had been brought on Sunday morning. So it's a great way to kind of continue that thought process through the week. Also, coming up in Advent, we have daily reflections. So you can sign up for that as well, and it will be emailed to you every day throughout Advent. Again, just one more way that you can engage with scripture throughout the week. And for everyone, regardless, the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app is fantastic. So this is on any platform. It doesn't matter what kind of phone you have. Um, and it is obviously the entire Bible, and it's lots of different translations, so you can pick your favorite. Um, but additionally, there are a ton of devotional programs in that. So you can just click on plans, and it will give you all kinds of options. And it will even set a reminder for you. So you know, you get up and say, hey, read me great easy ways that we can take that next step in our lives. Now, maybe you've been coming for a while and you are like, yes, 100% yes, I believe it, but I pick up this Bible and I look at it and I am like, syllabus, I can't do this. Maybe you've done some great book studies in the Bible. You've read some fantastic Christian authors. You've been doing the Our Daily Breads. I want to encourage you, you can take that next step. You can read the Bible. Now, I will say to anybody who is looking to engage with the Bible in a, deeper, in a deeper way or for the first time, that I would not necessarily recommend that you pick it up and start at the beginning. Flip through to the New Testament and start with one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. My favorite is John. But Pastor Jeff will tell you he likes to start people in Luke, so you can pick and choose. Let me know what you like better. But these Gospels are the stories of who Jesus is. These are a great place to start. And when you are in Scripture, here are some things, some questions that you can be asking yourself as you go through the reading. I'm going to put them up in a sec. When we read the text, we can say, what is it? actually literally saying what does it mean what does it mean for me 
So for example, we read, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So literally, it's talking about having something so in us that we don't do wrong, that we do what God wants us to do, right? That's what it literally is saying. So what does it mean? It means that it's important to know God's word well enough that we can act on it. Okay, what does that mean for me? Well, for me, it means that I need to start reading again. I need to start reading the Bible again because I need to have that scripture in my heart so that when that difficult person comes across my life, I can respond the way God would want me to. So when that situation that causes me to maybe want to step outside of the lines a little bit comes across my life, I respond the way God would want me to. So when I see that person who really just needs love, that I would be able to respond the way that God wants me to. Now, some of you have been walking and interacting with the Bible for years. If that's not you, just work this for a second. I don't want you to get overwhelmed. There are some great ways that we can mix it up. There are some great ways we can continue to engage with the Bible that is going to get us back into that text and thinking. Because sometimes you start reading and you're like finishing the passage before your eyes have even gotten there because you've read it a lot. Pick a different translation. Pick a translation you're not super familiar with. I really like the New Revised Standard Version because it holds some of the complexity of the ancient language in it. So it's a little bit more challenging. I have to actually think about what they say, what the words mean. The study notes in those books, Bibles, are fantastic as well. Lots of perspective about what was going on during that time period. And if there are translation questions, they'll give you the definitions of the Greek and the Hebrew, which I love. I realize I'm a nerd, but some other people might like that too. Another great website is thebluelitterbible.org. So the Blue Letter, Letter Bible, I go to YouTube and put, in a, um, put it in there and it will give you a tutorial. So you can get all kinds of stuff because it does so much. But one of the things it does is the Strong's, uh, Strong's Words, which is basically all of the Greek and Hebrew. So that you can read a, par read a paragraph and say, gosh, what does it mean by that? Click on the word and you'll get the Greek definition. You'll get the Hebrew definition. You'll get every other time that word is used in the entire Bible listed before you. So you can do some cross um, study on topics and things like that. It's awesome. It's a great way to keep things fresh. And there are tons of commentaries on there as well. So if you're struggling with a per passage or you want a different perspective on it, you can look it up on there and get three or four different perspectives just with the click of a button. Okay? For those of you who are not there yet, just ignore everything I said. And pick what the next step for you is. Because regardless of what our experience in the past is with the Bible, I want to tell you that you can do it, and it is worth it. Because it is alive, and it is active. Because it is the best possible GPS we could ever have to get where we are going. Because it is in the business of transforming lives. When we come to it with an open heart, when we ask God 
to speak through it, the Holy Spirit to move through it, he will be faithful. Will you stand with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you have not left us around to stumble in the dark. Thank you, God, that you do not leave us to rely on our own resources, but that instead you have given us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scripture. That you will help us to know you better and in turn to follow your way. And God, we thank you that you tell us you will show us who you are when we truly seek you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.